Well, for years and years and years, I don't know about you, you know, uh, Diane and I, by the way, Diane's not here if you notice that. She's not here because uh, we've been taking care of our grandchildren that are here for uh, this past week because our daughter and her husband, uh, they're in Mexico uh, celebrating their 15th wedding anniversary. And so they'll be back home tonight. And so uh, we get to go back home tonight. <laughs> Amen. Get to sleep in my own bed. Amen. Tonight. But, uh, you know, Diane and I pastored for 41 years. And uh, for years and years and years, I, you know, I never quite understood, you know, uh, about Father because I never thought our Heavenly Father had any needs whatsoever. Even as a pastor, I, th- I thought, what could he possibly need? He, the, the earth is his and the fullness thereof. He's, uh, he is love. He is peace. He is joy. There's not one need that I could think of that he, he ever had need of. And then one day I discovered there is a need. Our Father has a need. He created us to complete His fatherhood. And so when we celebrate Father's Day, we have a Heavenly Father that wants us to respond to Him as Father. Abba, Father. Wants us to respond to Him in the same fashion that we respond to our earthly fathers, out of respect and adoration for uh, our families that are here on this planet called Earth. But we have a Father that loved us even greater and more so than them. And that's our Heavenly Father. So uh, we need to remember our Heavenly Father uh, through this month as we celebrate Father's Day and everything else. Uh, I, for one, am really grateful, you know, for my Heavenly Father because he, He paid it all for us. Sent the very best that he had. There wasn't anything any better than Jesus. Sent his very best to take care of everything that pertained to life and everything that pertained to godliness. He made a way for us to be able to enjoy the fullness of that in our life. And so we're so appreciative of that. I'm appreciative of him. And uh, every opportunity, every day when I get up, uh, you know, I'm just grateful. I'm so grateful. I didn't think I'd make it past 21, much much less at the age that I'm at today. But he's always been faithful. He's always been there. Even when I was lost in my trespasses and sin, I was not raised in a Christian home and found Jesus when I was 21 years of age. But it was after after a massive uh, accident that I that I had. And our first, my Diane and I's first brand new car, and uh, it, it was, uh, I, I shouldn't be alive, but I am because of one reason. And uh, I found that that reason in who, who took care of me and was not really damaged. I was doing 80 miles an hour when I flipped the car, and uh, it was a, a massive thing. I mean, the car was crushed from the top and the dry on the driver's side, it was crushed all the way down to the seat. And uh, I didn't have on my seatbelt and, um, it was a good thing because I wouldn't be here today. I ended up in the back seat of the car, uh, you know, because of the centrifugal force, it just threw me back into the back seat. And, uh, 
but all I had was the glass shattered my arms and, uh, you know, in my chest and my head and stuff like that. But uh, there wasn't a piece of glass left in the car. I didn't go out of the car, any of those things. And uh, that was the worst thing that happened, except I felt like a really old man. You know, I could hardly move. Uh, but outside of that, there, you know, God has reasons and he has purpose for everything. In, in the midst of it all, even though the devil means things for destruction, he knows how to reverse things for his glory. And so we, we need to realize that. And so because of that, uh, it caused me to look heavenward. And then the Lord sent by someone to minister to me, and uh, I accepted the Lord in my own home. Uh, from that point, uh, things began to change radically, you know, in my own personal life. But, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm grateful every day that I wake up for the breath that I breathe, for the health that I have, you know, and the love that He extends to me constantly. You know, he's, he's just awesome. He's just awesome. What he does, what he's done for us and what he does and how personal he is. And he wants us to become close to him. And Paul the Apostle obviously uh, found out something in, uh, that he wrote down for us to have in Philippians. So if you have your Bibles, open up your Bibles, if you would please, to Philippians Chapter number 4, Philippians chapter 4, I guess I ought to get there. Chapter 4. I'm going to start at verse number 4. He said, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. He said, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, he said, think on these things. Those things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. And then verse number 11 is what I want to share with you. Uh, this morning, or this afternoon, we're already past noon. He said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. Everybody say, I've learned. I've learned. In whatsoever state I am, therewith 
to be content. Therewith to be content. Now, contentment, being having contentment in your life, uh, I wrote down a definition that uh, it, it pays for you and I to take heed to and listen. It says, it is the ability to trust and obey God's word in the middle of all situations and circumstances with true worship and praise and allowing the peace of God to rule my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus our Lord. So it is my ability to be able, number one, to trust Him. How many of you remember, He said, Trust in the Lord with all of thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding, but in, but in all of your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Trust. You, you know, one of the reasons that uh, people have such a, many times a hard time accepting Jesus Christ as their personal Savior is because they didn't have a good father relationship. And say so they, they don't trust people. They don't, they don't trust mankind because mankind has been really a poor example to them. And it was hard to trust. That was one of my problems. I, I was around people that were Christians in my school and everything else, but they they weren't real aggressive with their with their Christianity or anything else. Uh, they went to you know all of the same sports I did, everything else. But not once did one of them say to me, "Phil, did you ever consider Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, or do you even know who He was?" I, I had no idea who He was, much less you know. I mean, I knew there was churches on every corner and everything else, but my trust was in in what mankind would do, and mankind let me down all the time. And I just lost my sense of trust uh, in what was going on. And you know, as, as good as we try to be, you know, and as honest as we try to be, at our very best, we still fail. Even with the Lord. We don't mean to. We don't mean to disappoint, but we do. But God never has, and He never will. And so we have to turn our trust to Him, to trust Him. What He has spoken in His Word, He will do what He says. If you've been Christian long enough, you know that He is faithful to His Word. We just sang about it. He is faithful. He will perform His Word. If you'll activate His Word, He'll activate what the Word says. He'll see to it that it comes to pass. He has obligated Himself according to His will, which is His Word. This is His last and less testament for you and I. You know, a will, if you make out a will, whatever you state in that will, that's what's going to be carried out. If you make out a will your last will and testament on this planet called earth, and you put your family members in that will that you, you want to leave behind something to, whatever it is that you leave behind, that's what's going to be carried out. Same way with God's Word. God's Word is a more sure word of prophecy to us. It's better than a natural will. 
because he's made provisions that go above and beyond what a man can ask and or think. And he's done that for you, and he's done that for me in my life. And, of course, all of this, you know, requires faith to be able to to get it into our arena. You know, the just going to live by what? Faith. faith. We're going to live by faith. The faith that he gave to us, that he gave to you and I, when he created you in your mother's womb, you received everything that you had need of. All you needed to do was activate it. By accepting his plan, which all of us, hopefully in this room, have accepted that plan. So the word should be working. If we're working the word, the word will work. But if you're not working the word, you can't expect the word to work. Because that's what he's faithful to. He's faithful to his word. Well, pastor, you don't, you don't understand. I'm going through this. I'm going through that. In true contentment. You rely, you trust on Him in the midst of all your circumstances in life. Paul goes on to say, he said, he said, I know how to abound and I know how not to abound or to suffer want. He said, I know how to be full and I know to how, how to be without. But he says, in whatever state that I'm in, I've learned to be content. God is faithful. He will do what he said he will do. He may not do it at the time you want him to do it, but he is the God of the 115959. He's the God of the 115959. You got to remember, you know, a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day to the Lord. In other words, he's not he's not bound by time. He's eternal. And guess what? So are you. You're eternal. You may be living in this house, but you're eternal. The real you that's on the inside of here is eternal. And it's either going to live in the presence of God or it's going to live in the presence of damnation. One of the two. There's not three choices. There's no gray area. There's only one or two. And Jesus, says, he said, I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. No man's coming to the Father but by me. There's not multiple ways to God. There's one way. And his name is Jesus. And so you and I, we we need to become content in who we are and what we possess in him. And just let God be God. Let him govern our life. You should consider him in everything that you do. In your life, where you go, you know, don't go places where he says, gives you a check mark on the inside of you. Don't go, don't do it. Don't do it. You know, don't say things that you know that you shouldn't be saying. He's giving you a check mark on the inside saying, don't say that. That's not going to be profitable and beneficial to the hearer. Well, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Don't give him a piece. You don't have that many pieces left. You've already given up too much. (laughs) We need all that we got left. I'm speaking for myself. (laughs) I was talking to my son yesterday. 
And uh, most most of you don't know all the trouble he's been in, but I mean, he's been in a mass amount of trouble. But uh, anyway, I was talking to him yesterday, and I told him, I said, Paul, I said, uh, you know, your dad's always going to love you. Doesn't make any difference what you do in life and everything else. I'm still going to be there for you. You're my son. You're my seed. And I'm not going to let you go. Your mom's definitely not going to let you go. So, you know, uh, you're constantly being prayed for and everything else. He said, yes. He said, I know, Dad. Uh, he said, uh, I, I know that you have a problem with me doing certain things and everything else. But he said, uh, you know, it, it came down in our, our uh, genealogy, you know, through our family line. And I said, well, it might have come initially in our family line, but I severed all of those negative things. So that's not a part of our family. I said, our family line, I have a new bloodline. And my new bloodline uh, has the perfectness of God in it. And I said, and you're an offspring of that new bloodline. You're not an offspring of that negative bloodline. I said, so you're without excuse. You're without excuse. There, there's no reason, no rhyme, no reason. You know, I, and I'm talking to a man. I mean, you know, he's he's 50, uh, 52 years old. You know, and but the thing that uh, he he always says, he says, he said, Dad, he called me the other day and he said, Dad, I, I'm I'm going to come down and see you. And I said, that'd be great when you're going to do that. And then uh, his mother got on the line, and uh, she said, well, well, why are you coming? He said, I need a little FaceTime with Dad. A little FaceTime. Eyeball to eyeball, face to face with my dad. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's great to be loved and appreciated and everything else. And that's because we're always there, and that's the way our Father is. Our Father, we just need to be content within ourselves. And when things don't happen exactly when you want them to happen, just know that He will hasten to His Word. He will perform it. When He performs it is His decision and not yours. Amen? Sometimes we ask Him to pay some of our bills. You know what? He didn't get those bills. You did. You created them, but you can't just obligate him to pay them. Did he tell you to do it? We better not go there. That might meddle, might meddle a little bit. Did he tell you? To, if he told you to do it, he'll take care of it. But if he didn't tell you to do it, he's not obligated to fulfill that. But because he's such a compassionate, loving God, he'll, he'll take care of it. But it may not be on the time that you want him to do that. But what I want you to get out of this is what Paul was saying. He said that he was content. He was content. He learned contentment. And in many ways, you know, I I look at Paul the Apostle's life, and I think Paul the Apostle was way ahead of his his time in maturity-wise as far as the Word was concerned. He, He had a jump on everybody else, and it was because... He decided to lay down his life because he counted nothing but dung in his life. He cast it all aside. He, he let go of everything so that he could gain what Jesus had. 
And sometimes we are a little bit more realist, uh, uh, resistant to the fact of change, you know, in our life. You know, it's easier to change when you're little. When you get older, we really get set in our ways. We get set in our worship. We get set in our praise. We get set in what we think uh, church ought to be and the way that it ought to function. You know, I, I told pastor the other day, I said, what if you decided to preach from the back and have everybody turn around, left go to the right and right go to the left, and just do something different? I said, what would the people do? What would we do? We'd probably say, what is the matter with pastor? What is the matter with him today? Why is that necessary? It, it's just because we're, we get so set in our way. Some of us sit in the same seats every week. I have a designated seat, so they make me sit there. I would sit somewhere else from time to time. I used to do it in the church. I had a specific place whenever we were pastoring. I had a specific place where they wanted me to sit, but because I was the pastor, I got kind of got to do what I wanted to do. And so from time to time, I'd go sit somewhere else, you know, in the church. And people would look around and say, where's pastor today? Well, pastor's there. He's there. You just didn't didn't see him. Another time I came in, uh, we were doing a special service, and I dressed up like Moses. <laughs> what I what we thought Moses would look like, you know. And everybody was wondering where is Pastor. And so I come out from the back of the sanctuary through the main sanctuary doors. I come walking down the aisle. In all of this garb that I have on, they've never seen me dress like that ever in their life. They, and people were, as I was going down, saying, who is this? Who is this nut dressed like this? You know? <laughs> because they had me so plastered up with, with a beard and, and all kinds of facial hair and everything else real long, you know, uh, uh, hair that was silver uh, and everything else, and I had on this this robe and garb and a staff and all this kind of stuff, and I come walking down the aisle, and I go down front, and I preach. They thought I was a guest speaker. <laughs> but people, I could just see them. They were mesmerized by what is, what is going on. Where is pastor today? This is not typical. And it wasn't. And we didn't do it for it to be typical. We wanted people to realize that we need to step out of our box. And we need to learn to be content and just let God flow. The Holy Spirit doesn't do the same thing exactly the same way every time. So if you get accustomed to a certain way of the Lord healing people in service or whatever, you have to be willing to be open for change. He may do it however he wants to do it in the way he wants to do it. And so we have to stay, stay that way. That's what he was saying. He said, in whatever that you do, he said, finally, my brethren, verse 8, he said, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are, 
are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, he said, think on those things. In other words, be open, be teachable, and be subject to change. You don't know it all. I don't know it all. He may want to do do something completely different than what we were accustomed to. We love our church the way that it is, but we've got to be open to change. To let the Holy Spirit do what He wants to do. If we're going to really roll out the red carpet to the Holy Spirit, it can't be controlled by you and I. Yeah, that is good preaching. Let's just stop there and preach a while. We have to roll out. We have to do that. Because if we don't, He will back off. We can't quench him and we can't grieve him. We have to stay open so that he can flow. We all want to see blind eyes open, deaf ears and stop, all of those things. We all want to see that. And we want to see it happen on a regular basis. You know, it should be the norm, not the abnorm. It should be every time we come in here, you know, that the presence of God, because we're creating an atmosphere that becomes so conducive for him to flow in and to minister to the needs of people. You know, Sister Carolyn said the Lord told her that we're supposed to reach out to those that are hurting outside these walls. Those people will come in, but they're expecting something different when they come in. They're not looking for the typical, quote, religious church. They're looking for relationship. They're looking for love. They want to feel, they want to hear, they want to see the hand of the love of God on our lives. That it's real. It's not, it's not something that we do on Sunday and Wednesday. It's something that is just there all the time. Want to be accepted, yes. Want to be accepted. Yeah, that they want everybody wants to be accepted. You know. Right. Before I became a preacher, I you know, I was raised up in the ranks in a particular church uh in the Houston area and um we were so blessed to be around some of the ministries we were around uh, and everything else. But uh, this church that I went to that I became a part of, I became one of the leaders in the church. I became a deacon first, then became an elder, and then eventually, you know, further up into uh, to pastoral ministry. But uh, anyway, there was a young man that uh, came into the church, and uh, this young man... I don't know why, but it didn't make any difference where I sat in the church. This young man would always sit right in front of me. Right in front of me. I mean, it it was just amazing. It went like that for weeks and weeks. And everywhere I sat, he would sit right in front of me. And he really agitated me. He did. Because he came in, he was not dressed well at all. He was like a hippie kid, 
had a real long ponytail that hung down to the back part of his back. And it was a real hindrance for me because all I saw in the service was that ponytail. Now, what I wanted, what I envisioned, was a large pair of scissors. That's what I envisioned. I'm being honest. I wasn't getting anything out of the preaching because I was concentrating on this young man because he just sat there. I, I thought I, I thought he probably waited to see where I was sitting. Then he would come and sit down right in front of me. But that, that wasn't the case. And he was not born again. None of those things, but he was coming to the church on a weekly basis, and he was sitting right in front of me. And so it was such an adjutant and everything else. And I told Diane, I said, you know what? We just need to take a trip or something and be gone, you know, so that I can get myself back in line. I'm a leader in the church. I'm not supposed to have these type of attitudes and everything else. And uh, anyway, so we did. We went on a, a trip, and... We came back, and uh, I was greeting at the front door uh, with people coming in, and there was this young man that came up, and he was well-dressed and buffed out and everything else. Uh, just looked really sharp. I, I thought he was a preacher and everything else. And he came up and uh, had his hair all combed. He had no ponytail or anything else. And, and uh, <laughs> he said, uh, I, I said, uh, are you new? Are you new here? Is this your first time to be here? He said, oh, no, I've been coming for, for weeks to the service. He said, matter of fact, uh, I know who you are. And I said, well, how do you know who I am? He said, well, you're one of the leaders in the church and everything else. And he says, I don't know why and how it ever happens, but I, it seemed like I always sit right in front of you all the time. <laughs> and so what happened was, is while we were gone, he got born again got filled with the Holy Ghost, and the Lord began to clean him up. Told him to start, you know, changing his clothes, the way he dressed, and, you know, that his outward appearance needed to be different now because his inwardness was was different now. And so after he shared all that with me, I said I, to myself and to my wife later on, I said, I am so thankful that I didn't say anything to him. I wanted to really bad. I am so thankful because even though I wasn't listening and getting anything out of the service like I should have been, he was. He was getting convicted and everything else. I didn't help the situation, you know, with my attitude. So he said in, Paul said, things that are pure and honest and of good report, you know, we should always look beyond the fault. And see the true need in people's lives. And it's true. We can't go by the smell. We can't go by the looks. Because you don't know what God's doing in these people's lives. They're in there for a reason. It's obvious that the Spirit of God has drawn them for a reason. And so, for Paul the Apostle to make the statements that he makes concerning being content, we need to be content with our relationship with him so that what comes out of us is Him into people's lives. Amen. We need to touch them by being that way. I'd like to read to you out of chapter number 3, if you would, please. 
chapter 3 of Philippians, just a chapter over. Paul makes this statement. You've heard this statement. People have preached it. Starting at verse number 7, he said, What things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Things in the natural that, that we seem to look up to and everything else. He said those things became unimportant to him. Obviously because of his relationship. He said, Ye doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. So things that were important to him before were not important to him anymore. And we have to examine our own lives. What things are really important to us? Because if they become in an order that's higher than him, then we're putting other things before him in our life. We can't do that if we expect to get his best. And I think we all want his best. He said, he goes on and he said, uh, he said, I count them all but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dumb or waste, that I may win Christ. What was more important to Paul the Apostle than anything else in life was his relationship that he had developed and found with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I have to be the same way. If we want everything that he's got, then we've got to lay aside ourself. Self is the biggest enemy to most Christians' life. Is they, they still are hanging on to things in their life, and they're really not that important. He said, and to be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him. That word know is an intimate relationship, an intimate relationship with him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable to his death. If by some means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. There's something here that he said I have to do. He said, forgetting those things which are behind, forgetting them, letting them go. And I'm going to tell you something. That's easy to say and not so easy to do. Because many of us have gone through things in our life, you know, that have hampered us, have hindered us in our life. And we still remember them back here and we even bring them up. You know, let old dead dogs lie. Once, once, once they have been viewed upon or been seen, then we need to deal with them. One of the hardest things for Christians to do is to face confrontation. And the biggest confrontation that we have is the one that we look at in the mirror every morning. 
Because we know our faults. We know our failures. We know our weaknesses. And the Lord told us to lay those aside. And that's not necessarily the easiest thing to do, but that's what we need to do. We're living in, a, in an hour that is imploring us to get down to serious business. To get the root out of us that needs to come out of us. So that we can be that living uh, epistle that he has called us to be. To be examples to those that are coming, those that we, we are in contact with and everything else. And people, people are watching you. You may not realize they're watching you. They're watching this church. They see it. They observe. They see, they see things going on. They don't quite understand. Some of them haven't come in yet because they've come in confrontation with some of us. And some of our attitudes and our actions may not have been exactly what they were expecting they should be. But I'm telling you, the public is watching you. You may not think they are, but they are watching you. That went over real big. I just heard a a lead balloon hit the floor. Dealing with us is the most important thing that we'll do. Forget about your neighbor. Let them deal with themselves. Amen. You don't need to straighten God can straighten them out. Just pray for them. Pray for people. Pray for one another. Amen. That you may be healed. Praise God. He goes on and he says, brethren, he said, I count, in verse number 13 again, he said, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. He's making it personal. The one thing that I do. He said, forgetting this, uh, look at the, all of his qualifications of who he was, where he a reputation to keep if he wanted to keep it. But he chose to give up that reputation. He chose to give up all of that so that he could become what God wanted him to be. Amen. And that we need to take on that same attitude. I appreciate Paul. I appreciate his honesty. He said, this is what I had to do to get to where I got. You know, uh, Dr. Savell, Brother Copeland, all of these other great ministers didn't get there by themselves. They got there because they let go of themselves so that God could actually lead them and use them to be what he's called them to be. Have great ministers fallen? Absolutely. They failed because they're human. And they do make mistakes just like you make mistakes. But we have to let those things go. And we have to look beyond the fault, see the true need, and move forward with it. He said, I go on, he says, I press. That word press requires effort. That means it's not necessarily easy to get to the end of your journey. He says, but those that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Those that endure, there's an endurance that needs to be built in us through the Holy Spirit to help us to get to the end of whatever it is that we have need. You know, we're all moving closer to that day, 
either of the rapture of the church or natural death. We're on a different side. Listen, whenever I was in my early 20s, I didn't even think about dying, except I didn't think I'd make it past 21 because of all the stuff I was involved in, which you don't need to know. I'll just tell you this. It wasn't good. It was not good. It was not good. So you and I need to get to that point and that position in that place so that you and I can accomplish what we need to, to do. He said, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Your calling is a high calling. It's not a low calling. You think the pastor has a higher calling. He doesn't have a higher calling than you. He puts his pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody else. He has to make a decision, just like everybody else has to make, in order to get what it is that God really has planned for you. Amen? So we're in that last time. We have no time to waste. No time. Time's running out. The close of the age is at the door. If you listen to uh, to Billy Brim when she was here, you know, I mean, she had the word on what she was sharing. We need to listen. Take heed. Take heed lest we fall. Let's don't come short. Let's grab a hold of it and run. If you don't have a revelation then ask the Lord to help you to get the revelation. And in so doing, he may say, well, you need to take care of this. And I'll give you all of this. It's already prepared for you. Why have you waited so long? I'm ready to give it to you if you're ready to receive it. But some things he hasn't given to us because we haven't been prepared and ready to receive it. It's already there. It's just a matter of us positioning ourselves. If we'll enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and be thankful to him and bless his name, we're going to get, if our heart's right, if our heart's right, if, if we're worshiping the Lord out of a heart of worship and not out of, of a habit of worship, there's a big difference. You know, we can just do things because that's the thing that we do in church. But what's the heart? You've heard pastors say, I've preached it for years, you've heard pastors say, uh, you know, that you can be sitting right there in the service, somebody next to you getting a revelation, and you get nothing. And it's up to you. If you don't come hungry and prepared and have your heart ready to receive, then you'll walk out the same as what you came in. And I don't care if you're 13 or if you're 113. It's where you're at and where I'm at in life. Amen? And I believe that we're prepared and we're ready. This church is getting prepared. She's getting prepared. And she's getting ready for some great, great things. We can see them. We can see them. It's, 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 on, it's really right around the corner. It's that close. Praise God.